morning. Lovely to see you. Lovely to see you up on the shelf. Lovely to see you online. Lovely to see you here. Um, it's my absolute privilege to be bringing the message to you this morning. So yeah, I'm Ruth. I'm one of the elders here. Um, welcome if it's your first time. Welcome if it's your thousandth time. Um, we are looking today at Elizabeth and Mary and the presence of the Holy Spirit at Christmas. Um, I do have a presentation. Uh, if we can put that up. Thanks, Ben. Um, and we're going to be looking a little bit in Luke, and I'm going to invite Katie up. And Katie is going to read um, the world's longest passage to you. <laughs> um, I've asked Katie because she's got a wonderful voice and a wonderful reading. So um, if you want to follow along, um, it's on the screen. Um, sorry, the reference is on the screen. Katie's going to read to us. And um, as Katie's reading, can you be thinking about the question, what does the Holy Spirit do in this passage? The birth of John the Baptist foretold. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well on in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of incense, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you the good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realised he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. 
In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be, a, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Oh, thank you, Katie. As I said, it's a really long passage, isn't it? There's a, there's a big bit of story in there, but um, I so wanted you to hear it all this morning as it happened. Um, but I didn't want to read it, so I'm so thankful that, that Katie did. So thank you, Katie, and beautifully read. Absolutely. So the question that we were thinking about as we were listening, um, unless you got lost in the story, which was fine, um, is what does the Holy Spirit do in this passage? Okay, so what, what are we going to learn this morning about the Holy Spirit from what we've just read? So we'll talk through some verses and, um, and we'll find out what we can learn. So what does he do? Okay, Luke 1, 15. Gabriel tells Zechariah that his newly promised son, who we know is John, will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Okay, so what does the Holy Spirit do? He fills, doesn't he? He's filling. He's not an ethereal ghost, wisping around, magically moving objects from place to place. He is God. He is present in people. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And perhaps... If you now switch off from everything else that I say this morning and think about what your week is going to be like and redecorate your bedroom in your head, remember that, remember that piece. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, moving on. Uh, in verse 17, Gabriel says that John will go before the Lord as a forerunner with the same power and anointing and spirit as Elijah the prophet. So Elijah from the Old Testament, one of the major prophets in the Old Testament, did amazing things, defended God in the face of many enemies and many false gods. And John is promised that he will have the same power through the Spirit as Elijah. So what's the Holy Spirit doing in this passage? He's bringing power. Okay, moving on, verse 35, um, we're moving into Mary's story now. So in answer to um, Mary's question to the message that Gabriel's just brought, how can this be? Because I am a virgin. The Holy Spirit will come upon Mary. The power of the Most High will overshadow her. Now, I learned as I was preparing this that 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 Greek word for overshadow, which is not particularly a word that I use very often. I don't know about you in your prayers. Dear Lord, would you overshadow me? Not something I don't think I've ever prayed, actually. That overshadow is the same word that's used in the transfiguration of Jesus when the cloud of glory overshadows Jesus and his friends on the mountain. So we're talking about glory. The Holy Spirit brings with him the glory of God. So when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're overshadowed with glory. We become carriers of God's glory. Verse 41, the Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth and as she hears Mary's greeting, baby John leaps in her womb. There's leaping, there's a physical response to what's happening in the spiritual. Verse 42, as Mary is filled, she bursts out with this prophetic declaration of blessing and fruit. And she's revealing the heart of God at that time. So we've got a long one this time. Bursting, prophesy, blessing, revealing. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing here. We're going to look at one more, verse 44. And this is baby John. He leaps for joy at the infilling. As the infilling happens, there is joy. So we can see, all through scripture, this passage as well, that God's intention for us as believers is to be filled with his Holy Spirit. And as we've said, his Holy Spirit is is his Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God, not, not, as I said, not a wispy, ethereal being that comes and goes, but God in us. And God's intention is for you, for us, to be filled with him. To not be empty, to not be alone, to not be separate, but together in partnership, relationship and filled. And in this passage, these are the, these are the things that we see that it looks like when the Holy Spirit does that. Across scripture, we can see lots of other different experiences and uh, different relationships with the Holy Spirit. Um, When I was at uh, Soul Survivor quite a few years ago now, um, as a youth leader, one of our young people really needed um, an experience of of God, a touch of God. She had so much going on in her life, right back from, from her very early childhood. Um, and, she, and she experienced God in a fresh and new way when she was worshipping in Soul Survivor. And she was shaking and she was crying. Um, and so as youth leaders, we're you know, 
just tell her, are you okay? What's, <laughs> what's going on? What, what, what are you experiencing right now? And um, she said, I think it's the Holy Spirit. Okay, and what's that looking like? And she said, it's like hot chocolate for my heart. <laughs> because that's what she needed. She needed God's comfort, God's warmth, God's presence. God's marshmallows? No, no. <laughs> we had those last night on the bonfire. Did anybody else do that? <laughs> she needed hot chocolate for her heart, and that's how she experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit for her. It, that might have been the first time that she was filled. I, I don't know. I don't know. It might have been um, just a, a refilling. For me, the first time that um, I fully realised and experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit was in this very room in this very place, um, sitting about where you are now, Lydia. <laughs> um, I was 15, um, and I had a um, problem with my knees that was super painful, um, and I was having physio, and um, I, there were things, go- things in my life that I was really enjoying doing, like I was doing an extra DCC in dance, and I was playing tennis, and um, my knee problem was making all of those things really difficult. And, and it was getting to the point where I was thinking, I, I think I'm, I'm going to have to stop these things. Um, and I'd come to church of a Sunday evening. Um, and in those days, there were lots of us youth and we would all pile in and we would sit here on a Sunday evening. And I was sitting next to my sister. And um, we were worshipping and we were standing up. And I just said to her, I'm going to have to sit down because my knees are they're killing me. So I sat down. And then uh, whoever it was that was leading the service at the front, I can't for the life of me now remember um, who it was. I've never been able to remember who it was. It's funny, isn't it? Uh, they said that we, we sense that, um, that maybe there's, there's healing that needs to happen. So anybody that needs healing, they said, come into the space in the middle and you're just going to pray for each other. Now, I didn't believe that, that uh, God could heal me. I think I, think I, I think I believed in God. I don't think I believed in a God who got involved in people's lives. Um, but my sister did, and I knew she believed in a God that was real. And I just said to her, my knees are hurting, I'm going to have to sit down. And so I thought, oh, it's just easier to go in the middle to pray and for nothing to happen and come sit down than it is to have to explain to her, I don't really really believe that God can do this. So I got up and I went into the middle and um, I met met June Wedge, Routine wedge, and we had a little conversation. And uh, I prayed for her, and um, she prayed for me. Um, she said, "In the name of Jesus, would you heal Ruth's knees?" And I expected, um, if there was healing, um, that there would be, you know, angel noise, you know, like a, and you know, be super aware that something had happened, and and you know, lights would be shooting around, and and that didn't happen. Um, so I, you know, I thanked her very much, and I came back to sit next to my sister. But as I was walking away, I thought, I gave it a little test, and I thought, actually, maybe that actually feels a little bit better. And then as I was standing there, and we did a bit more worship, I'm kind of still doing this, I'm standing up this time, I don't need to sit down, and I'm thinking, actually, do you know what? That does feel better, and I feel better. <laughs> um, and then we, at the end of the service, we all used to pile up to the youth room, so we came out to the stairs out the back, and um, I ran up the stairs... <laughs> I hadn't run up the stairs in months. I couldn't run up the stairs because the pain was too much. But I ran up the stairs up there. And I was like, ooh, (laughs) something might have happened there. And my knees were healed in that moment. Hallelujah. 
But more than that, I particularly noticed this the next day when I was walking to school, um, which was about a three-minute walk for me. It didn't take very long, thank the Lord. And um, I was like, oh, the sky's so blue this morning. Look at the sound of that traffic. It's amazing. (laughs) Listen to the birds. Everything was was transformed. Everything was changed. Everything was beautiful and wonderful. And I thought, this is a bit weird because I'm 15 <laughs> and stuff isn't beautiful and wonderful <laughs> when you're 15. Normally, it wasn't for me. More than the healing, which was amazing, I'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. And for the first time, I had a joy and a peace in me that I had never known before. And it it took me weeks and and days to to work out what that was. Um, And and also that it wasn't going away. (laughs) Because God now lived in me. It wasn't a a happy hit (laughs) that then disappeared when something bad happened. From that point, for the rest of my life, that's the way that I experienced God. Through his joy and through his peace no matter what's going on around me, knowing that he is there, and therefore, in the end, everything's going to be okay. So, this is something that I, I talk about quite a lot. It's my, I have a little joke with my team in the office that doesn't matter what passage you ask me to preach on, I'm always going to preach about the transformation that Jesus brings in life. <laughs> because actually, that's, that's my experience of him. And I will not shut up talking about what Jesus can do and what the Holy Spirit does. Because what are we doing as Christians if we're not doing that? What are we doing if we're not every day saying, Lord, fill me up with your Holy Spirit so that I can take you into the world. You know, what are we doing if we're not declaring healing over each other by the blood of Jesus? Because that's what we're told to do, aren't we? What are we doing if we're not declaring kingdom come in the places where we are, in our homes, in our lives, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our communities? Because that's what we're told to do. That's what we're told to pray, aren't we? And all of that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit as he lives in us. He's got words that he wants to speak to you. And how do we hear him? By being filled with the Holy Spirit. He's got good things, good plans for your lives. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that's how he does it. That's his vessel. If you were here a few weeks ago at Harvest, um, you, or you watched it online, you will have heard Dave from Project Possible remind us that we are God's plan, what? A, not B, not C. We, his church, his family that he has adopted, we are his plan A, and there is no plan B. And his plan A was that Jesus would come Jesus would die, Jesus would be resurrected, and then Jesus leaves the earth. Why does Jesus leave the earth? So that the Holy Spirit can come and be with us. And we are his plan A. 
in partnership, in relationship with God. We need to be desperate for his love and his power. We need to be desperate for the Holy Spirit, for a filling of joy and peace into those places where we live our lives. We are carriers, yeah, like Elizabeth, like Mary. Do you ever wonder why did God choose to do it that way? Why did, why did John come first and Elizabeth carry him? And why did Jesus come and Mary carry him? Why did they not just pop up in the wilderness or appear in the temple like Angel Gabriel did? Why that way? Now, there's loads of reasons to answer that to answer that question, isn't it? There's lots and lots of reasons, and most of them we won't even know because God does what he wants, doesn't he? But one of them, one of those reasons, is about partnership. God doesn't, 90% of the time, just come and do stuff on the earth without us. His whole plan A is relationship with us. Elizabeth carrying John, Mary carrying Jesus. Both of those women had to say, yes, we believe. We will do that, God. We yield to you. We surrender to you. There's nothing like the Holy Spirit. No one else will do what he does. I, I, had this, I was preparing this preach. I had this question that was kept running around in my head. Um, and I thought, you've got to be really careful how you say this, Ruth. Um, because the question is, what are you filled with? <laughs> what are you full of? <laughs> was the question. <laughs> and I thought, it's funny, isn't it? Because um, if you ask me after last night, I'm full of sausages and marshmallows. <laughs> but what, are, what, am I, what am I doing with my inner being? When stuff gets hard... What am, what am I relying on? What, what is filling me up? I have a natural tendency in me to uh, want to escape. Okay, So when stuff gets tough, when my children are there at 5.30 in the morning, <laughs> my uh, natural instinct is not to embrace them, it's to try and run and lock the bathroom door. So, you know, I want to get away. <laughs> when stuff gets tough, I want to get away. And whether that's in uh, reading fictional stuff and watching things or whatever, that's, that's, what, that's what I want to do. And God, God and I, we're working on that together. And people are a bit like that, aren't they? And people have different ways and different mechanisms that they do that. Maybe with alcohol, maybe with drugs, maybe with addiction, maybe with gambling, maybe with endlessly watching stuff on YouTube, maybe with running and, and not knowing when you're going to stop it. Whatever that is. What are you full of? Well, I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be full of any other coping strategies. I want God. I think what we see in this Elizabeth and Mary passage is it's not an intellectual faith that they had, isn't it? It's not an experience of their mind. It's it's different to what we see um, where we see Jesus meeting uh, the Pharisees or we see Mary and Joseph with Anna and Simeon and there's a oh, we, we know the scripture, we've been waiting, we've been praying for this, we want to see this word fulfilled. It's, it's different with Elizabeth and Mary. It's an encounter that they have. Do you long for encounter with the Holy Spirit? 
for not just moments of presence, but movement. Moments that lead to movement, to transformation. Because that's what it means to be a follower of Christ, isn't it? We come here to church and we experience beautiful worship and we believe that God is real and we think this is wonderful. But when we leave, are we transformed? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does and can do when we yield to him, when we surrender to him, when we welcome and invite him in. And there is nothing like it. There is no situation in the world, no situation in your life, no situation that you know of that cannot be transformed by the Holy Spirit. Because what do we say, what do we have in this passage? Nothing is impossible for God. That's what it says in it, verse 37. You're very quiet. Are you okay? Good. Um, we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to finish speaking and we'll move into some communion in a minute. Um, one, one last thought to finish with, and this is about glory, which I don't think I've ever really heard preached on. We don't preach on it very much, um, but it, it kept coming to me when we, um, when we looked. Oh, I've just remembered there was a final slide for you to look at. Look, it was a nice looking at all the words. <laughs> Could have had that up the whole time. Glory. Mary was promised that God would come and overshadow her with her glory. And then that's what she carried, didn't she? She carried Jesus. She carried the glory of God. And as you look elsewhere in the New Testament, you start to see that that's actually what we are promised as well, that we will be carriers of the glory of God. And and when you're a believer, that's actually not a, a choice that you have. It's just something that happens When you're a believer, when you make that decision, when you yield to Jesus and say, be Lord of my life, you stop being a sinner and you are transformed to a saint. That's the word that the New Testament uses, isn't it? Saint. That's not something that then happens every day. It's not something that then, oh, I've been really bad, God. Would you help me to be good? That transformation, that exchange happens once it's done. Jesus did that on the cross. We are covered by the blood. It is done. You become a saint. So what the Holy Spirit then is doing in our everyday lives is not helping us go from being bad to good. That's not what's happening. It's glory to glory. Okay, so verse, so we've got 2 Corinthians 3. 17 to 18. It says, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Glory to glory. I'm going to read that in the Passion Translation, because I just find that really helpful sometimes to meditate on. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And there's a note in the Passion Bible that comes with that, that says the source of our transformation comes from Christ's glory. And the destination that we are brought to is more glory. 
The transforming glory is the result of gazing upon the splendour and beauty of Jesus Christ. So when we start to move and think about communion, perhaps we can hold in our heads gazing upon the splendour and beauty of Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray. Father God, I so thank you for your word, for the way that you teach and guide us and reveal to us through your Holy Spirit your truth. I pray for us, Father, that you would bless us with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that that's what you promise. Help us to be filled with you and to go and do the things, the wonderful things that you have planned for us in your name to build your kingdom. Amen. Amen.